I'm gonna spew, I'm gonna spew. You know. Gotta happen. <laughs> Welcome to Radio Dis- <laughs> <laughs> Did we get that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I would like. Uh, you're drunk. If I may. And uh, you're crazy. To take you. I'll be sober tomorrow. And on a strange journey. You'll be crazy for the rest of your life, but. Radio Desidendi. Welcome, listeners, to this episode of Radio Desidendi. Today, we sink our teeth into, as always, the hardy issues. We're looking at hangovers, we're looking at legal style, uh, we're looking at breakup flopping. We'll explain more soon. Oh, hey, listeners, it's Alistair here. I'm, uh, yeah, welcome to the program. Uh, I'm feeling a bit sick today. Uh, hi. <laughs> Mate, you're looking a bit worse for wear today. I feel a bit worse for wear today. What have you been up to? Just carrying a bucket around and hoping for the best. That is actually true, listeners. Alistair brought a bucket to the studio this morning. It's uh, staring at me from the corner. It's a little ominous. Why are you in need of this bucket? Pray tell. I'm not a well man, Dan. I'm not a well man. So I, I feel a little sick, I think, is what I'm getting at. What ails you? Is what I'm trying to get at. Well, throbbing headache, dizziness, tendencies to vomiting, towards vomiting, <laughs> inability to speak. <laughs> uh, Al actually got rabies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine about it. You gave he it is <laughs> just dead. <laughs> just ultimate death sentence. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'd like to pin it on food poisoning, but I'm enough of a realist to suggest, to think it was probably the tequila. I can't even talk. This is All right, I'm gonna go. My brains out. <laughs> Give me twelve minutes. <laughs> I want that to be on radio so badly. Come take your seat. We're just gonna smash this through. It's gonna be tight, and then you can get out of here. It hurts to sit. It hurts to sit, listeners. Right. Let's talk about your hangover. Because it seems like this is the roadblock to a successful Radio D this week. Am I allowed to call it Radio D? Because <laughs> I just did. <laughs> right. I don't want Radio D to be bad. No one wants a bad Radio D. And the way we get a good Radio D is by addressing the issue at hand. And the issue at hand is your hangover. How'd you get it? Well, I got it the, the normal way. Consumption of alcohol. To but how much alcohol? Well, this is the interesting thing, because so far as I can recall, I had about four beers, and thanks to you, two tequila shots. <laughs> You're welcome. And that was that was not in particularly quick succession. That was over the space of five hours. It was a long time. So now the listeners know you're a lightweight. Jimmy can do that dun dun sound, and we can just we can all move on, right? We can press on to better things. Well, I, I was hoping to ruminate a little bit on. <laughs> exacerbating causes. I mean, I hadn't had a drink in about three and a half weeks. See, so he's out of practice. Yeah. And he's tried to get back on the horse and the horse has bolted. Very and much And then so. mixed metaphors because the dead horse is being flogged <laughs> after it bolted. Oh. <laughs> it died. You're a wordsmith. <laughs> anyway. Keats. <laughs> enough about the horse. Chaucer. It's not about the, the horse, Al. It's about the hair of the dog. The hair of the dog. I'll stop. 
Anyway. And are you drunk? <laughs> There's a good possibility that I am. So you're out of practice. Yes. We, we talk about practice on this show a lot. Practice helps you approach perfection, we said in episode one, I think. Yeah. So then you're at a crossroads. To get back on the horse or to, you know, give it up forever? How do you feel? You don't look well. I'm guessing you don't feel well. I'm inclined at moments like this to to give it up forever. I think the the worst part of the hangover is the sense of futility when you wake up and you go, oh, I'm never drinking again, which is always false. Yeah, uh, but, the worst part is the lie. But it's yeah, but it's the feeling of like the the randomness, the the sort of capriciousness of it all, the fact that it didn't have to be this way, but you brought it on yourself. See, but like you said, I mean, we would have been where we were from seven thirty, and you would have, for want of a better Cap- phrase, <laughs> passed out. Pa- <laughs> yeah, circa one o'clock, and like you said, you didn't like there wasn't a tremendous amount. Of, of alcohol that you drank. Yeah. I wasn't running around dancing like an idiot. Well. Well. I remember Come On Eileen. That definitely happened. Oh, well, I feel that there's, you know. Can we splice some, some of Come On Eileen into this segment? Oh, yeah. That's going to be great. So you're not worried about something more untoward? What, as the cause of... Yeah. You didn't drink that much, really. No. Well, I had dinner at your house, so <laughs> I feel it would be a damning indictment. I just poisoned Alistair. On the cooking skills of... Uh... Oh, by the way, we did a shout-out to my mother last week, so now shout-out to Jan, Dan's mum. Hi, Jan. Thanks for dinner. It was great. <laughs> My mother did not poison you, Al. I, this is my point, is that it's got to be... It's got to be the alcohol, or you're just sick. Because, let's face it, I ate the same stuff as you, Yeah. and I'm fine. Yeah. I'm damn fine. You drank most of the same? I definitely drank more than you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the reason we're speculating, listeners, is because, unlike typical hangovers, I've still got the bucket with me in the studio <laughs> this morning. And I spent more of the morning uh, vomiting than <laughs> than the night previous, which That's is true. which is curious. I find because I had I had a quite restful, comfortable sleep aside from waking up in an unfamiliar house, panicking for about two seconds, and then was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I forgot. And I'm, I'm an idiot. Part of the remember now. The typical routine is then to obviously stand up in your pajamas and play the piano at eight o'clock in the morning in that right Al? it seemed like a good idea <laughs> at the time i feel we've addressed the hangover i hope you're feeling better do we have any aspirin no okay. how about cyanide <laughs> i'm sure i could work something out can we get an aspirin sound effect <laughs> all right listeners if i if jimmy has not poisoned me <laughs> the word hangover is a weird one when you think about it like, I, I don't quite understand how we got to the word hangover. I assume it has something to do with, like, the effects of the alcohol, like, quite literally hanging over to the next morning. Yeah, like the sort of Damocles or something hanging over your head. Maybe that's what it is. But that leads me into the second topic that I wanted to talk about today, um, which is what I have colloquially termed flopping the breakup. 
get cane. <laughs> <laughs> Flopping the breakup. Uh, so this is really just a way to lead into what will be in the future uh, a segment about Alistair's love advice, because I think that's going to be pretty great. He is, gives. Is this a poker analogy? What kind of poker? Like what? A flop. Like a flop. No, no, no. It's just basically the idea um, behind the term flopping the breakup. Aside from sounding pretty funny, I think um, it's just it's nice to listen to. Flopping the breakup. The point is that sometimes, I think if you've dated somebody for long enough, you don't necessarily, when you break up, want to have an ongoing toxic relationship with that person. You know, you would prefer for it to be somewhat pleasant, right? Yeah, amicable and... Absolutely. But the problem is that there is this social attitude that you've got to try and win the breakup or you don't want to be the person who loses the breakup. Okay? Yeah, and you want to be better off without them. Exactly. So, what I'm saying is that really what's best for everyone is if both sides just flop the breakup. Okay? Don't go out and try and like take this as the stimulus for you to be the best person in the world or like don't be like, oh, I need to go find myself in Cambodia now or whatever it is that you do because you're sad and alone. Okay? I had a great encounter with my one and only (laughs) ex-girlfriend whom I dated for three and a half years almost, the other day, and I encountered her as I was dragging. (laughs) (laughs) Alistair just walked out of the studio with bucket in hand, and I would say, I don't know if I'd say a a look of chagrin, maybe complete defeat. That's it, I'm taking over. (laughs) Welcome, Jimmy. <laughs> um, I was really keen to hear your story, Dan. Um, so, you, I, you got up to the point of your encounter. Al can listen yeah, to so this later. I had an encounter. Okay. Uh, a close encounter. <laughs> With the third kind. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Not that close, though. So, I was just, you know, doing as I do. I, I tutor um, in the School of Economics, which you would know, but our viewers probably wouldn't. Now they do. But they do now. Um, and so, I had the enviable task of conducting examination viewings in tutorials last week so look it was basically it was a very casual encounter but i was dragging behind me like on a giant trolley just stacks of exam papers and wearing a christmas sweater in like the first week of may um and it was just you know we said hello so she was viewing her exam or you were no, just no, there. we just ran oh. across each other and she noted that I Small have already started to look like an old man, which I thought, eh, you know, <laughs> I have the trolley, I have the sweater. That's, that's probably a fair call. And you're only growing older, aren't you? I am only growing older. I've got the beard going. <laughs> you know, it's all the boxes are ticked. But the point really of flopping the breakup is that, you know, man, she would not have probably talked to me if I was wearing like some swanky suit or like... <laughs> You know, I, oh, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you anymore because I'm an investment banker in Tahiti. Like, you know, don't try to be too good if you want to keep the people who exit your life. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Or like, not so much, sorry, keep the people is a bad way to put it because that's obviously not what's happening. The people who exit your life, if you want to maintain some sort of a friendly relationship with them, don't take it as a challenge to go and like make yourself a next level person because they said 
But couldn't that just be a catalyst to actually being... I'm not saying like a next level person is a person who is an investment banker in Tahiti. A next level person could be a person who is just generally better or kinder. Like, can't you take it as a catalyst to actually be a better person? No. I mean... Not not in spite of them. Just, oh, this hasn't worked. Like, something is clearly wrong. Maybe I can do something to better my life. But it's about making things better for everyone, okay? Nobody wants to feel like they lost the breakup, okay? How do you... You lose the breakup if the other person wins. <laughs> That's how it works, but Jimmy. if you're broken up, like a, a good... I think my mic's speaking here. If, if you're broken up, then no one's really lost. You've both lost. Like... Oh, no. Or no, you've oh, both no, won. No, no. You've no, both no. won. If you've broken up, then... And one party, party wins, the other party is a loser. Okay. Loser. But what if both parties win? What if one party goes off to do something amazing and the other one just sort of like... Keeps looking good. <laughs> See, then someone's doing something amazing. Somebody won the breakup. No, what I'm saying is you have a duty to that person if you still, you know, want them to have some sort of tangential orbital involvement in your life. You have a duty to that person to flop the breakup. Okay. Don't try for victory. So, Just going to mess it up. Yeah. Make, it a, make the breakup a flop. Just be like, meh, it happened. I'm just but, saying. But then, like, you don't gain anything from that then. Oh, I'm saying yeah, that's no it. One, never no chase one. your dreams. Never do anything <laughs> adventurous. Just just continue being a mindless drone. No one is happier. At law school. That's what you need to do. In fact, I'm going to change this. This segment should now be called Flop the Law School. Flop the Law School. How do we flop the law school? Uh, the same, same thing. Just don't try to be good at anything. <laughs> Forget assignments. Forget that property assignment that's due on Thursday that you haven't started. Forget it all. That's it. Forget that. This is This is my advice to you listeners. Al's back. What? Al's back. I know. I've been Jimmy. I'm the producer. Bye. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's such a good bit. <laughs> I was actually really keen. Did you actually uh, produce? No. I was keen for some vom action. No, I just really want to put that on the Twitter. Hashtag spewy. Did you do the segment? Hashtag we just did it. Okay. get spewy. Hashtag. Sorry. I was about to say right before Alistair stormed back in. Vomit on his breath and a glimmer of fear in his eye. Drop out of law school. (laughs) That's the end of the segment. (laughs) Well, Attorney General Jared Blay and President Margaret McMurdo of the Court of Appeal have had their differences over the last couple of months. They sure have, Al. But one thing they do share, Dan, is a penchant for looking good. The Attorney General is seldom seen without a crisp suit and colourful tie with matching pocket square, often homemade, I've learned. And her honour is known for her refined, elegant sense of dress with tasteful accessorization. Indeed, looking good seems critical to the task of being a successful lawyer. Noting this trend, our guest today has created a blog on the very subject matter. It is legal-chic.tumblr.com. She is Bridget, and she joins us in the Radio Desdendi studio today. Bridget, welcome. Thank you for having me. Lovely to have you, Bridget. I was going to say, is because it's like not exactly public, um, your identity, would you prefer if we called you Falcon <laughs> on radio? You can if you want. I think I'd sound a lot cooler, but I don't, I don't really care if people know who okay. I am. There's, well, yeah. I might call you Falcon. That's fine. What do you think? Me? Yeah, Jimmy, what do you think? <laughs> I think Bridget's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll stick with Bridget. Damn. So... Uh, I suppose our first question is, why do lawyers care so much about appearance? 
Um, I think it's a, an important part of like looking professional and being professional to like be taken seriously, and it kind of comes into that whole first impression thing. Because if you look the part, then they're probably going to treat you as such. But do you think it sometimes detracts from the task of law itself? Absolutely. I think if you put too much focus on how you look rather than the actual substance of what you're doing, it could be a problem. But I think it's something that comes nicely, like hand in hand with it. So dress to impress is basically is that. Is that what we're taking away? Is that yeah, basically. But don't put too much focus on it. It's just like a bit of fun, and I don't think the blog should be taken too seriously. But so I need to dress like I fell out of bed in this. Yeah, I need to be <laughs> suave and cool while I do it. Is that? I think that's got to be it as well. Like, there's an element of that, surely. Yeah. Well, some of it I think is it's not all Italian suits. A lot of the appearances itself are hangovers from centuries ago. I'm thinking of barristers' wigs and robes and all that sort of stuff. How much of this do you think is too? impress the common man or woman, as it were? Um, I'm not so sure it's to impress. I think it's just to kind of create that whole sort of sense of tradition and, you know, justice being done and everyone's kind of a part of it. Well, yeah, I was reflecting on the, I think we mentioned a few weeks ago, the dictum that justice must not only be done, it must be seen to be done. And it must look good. Yeah, it must look good good while doing it. I think that's (laughs) what we're getting at. So maybe in terms of... uh, judge dress, barrister dress, that sort of thing. I mean, if you could make some revisions there, Bridget, what would you do? Um, I quite like it. I was very upset when they got rid of those really long wigs because they were quite sexy. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked them, but that would be my only revision, longer wigs. Okay, Just, reintroduce, yeah. <laughs> bring back the long wig. That's the thing I like most about the film The Castle. If you look at the high court scene, yeah, they're in full regalia with the red, you know, the Santa Claus robes. And they don't do that anymore these days. That's sad. It's a shame. It is very sad. I feel our legal system is poorer for it. Yeah, are they letting us down, do you think? I think definitely. <laughs> they need to look kind of like caricatures of themselves. <laughs> well, I think that's what legal dress is all about. So how did the blog get started? Well, I originally had a different blog that was called Day in the Life of a Law Student, which I started years and years ago. And I think it was just because I was reading a lot of law blogs on Tumblr that I thought I'd kind of contribute, I guess. And it was I, was, I think it was about second year that I first started, and then I switched over to this one. So, Falcon, how many followers do you have? Is that what you have on Tumblr? Yeah, yeah, I'm, followers. I'm not a Tumblrer, but... <laughs> How many followers are you up to nowadays? I think I'm at about 350. She whiz. It's pretty impressive. I don't know why so many people look at my blog. It's a bit flattering, though. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely good. I mean, in terms of people people who haven't actually seen the blog, it's not so hardcore like a fashion blog or anything no, like that. No. It's, how would you describe it, I suppose? I think it's a bit eclectic. Like, I try to talk about just my life in general, and then if I'm wearing a pretty outfit, I guess I'll put that up too. But I recently it's been more focused on kind of reblogging feminism stuff just because I haven't had much time to do proper text posts. I think there are a few silly ones up there at the moment, actually. So there is the potential of the odd selfie. Is that... Um, Not so much selfies. There was one selfie on there that I took off. There's a picture of me in like a cat onesie, but you can't really see my face. <laughs> Everybody loves a good cat onesie. Yeah, absolutely. What was the occasion, if you don't mind me asking? Um, it was a 21-zee party. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well done. That is excellent. Yeah. Why cat? Um, they didn't really have many options left. I think it was that or a squirrel. Oh, I, I wasn't keen on the squirrel. No, it was um, ha- uh, those sugar gliders. 
Uh, oh. It looked a bit weird though because it had red subject. wings. <laughs> I had, Dan got peed uh, on by a bat. Oh no! <laughs> like a, a, several times. <laughs> How is that possible? In, like the last couple. I've of been weeks. asking myself the same question. <laughs> Supremely unlucky. Yeah. Well. Getting away from the selfies, you've got a quote here from Gillian Flynn from Gone Girl, <laughs> which is about, well, I suppose it's about the idea of a cool girl. Do you consider yourself a feminist? Um, yeah, definitely. I think it's a bit odd if you're, I personally think if you're a law student and you're a woman, I think everyone should be feminist because it's a pretty good cause. What do, you, what do you think the experience is like, or what is the experience like for a young woman in the law? Um, I haven't had so many negative experiences. I've had a few odd encounters where people don't take me seriously, but generally I think that UQ law is pretty good and if if you have a well-read kind of opinion, then people will take you seriously regardless of your gender. How hard do you think it is to cultivate an individual sense of style within the constraints of, you know, formality um, in legal dress? Um, I'd say it's actually pretty hard. I... Personally, wouldn't really attempt it in a corporate setting. I would just go for the simple kind of pencil skirt or pants and a blouse. I mean, I agree with you, but it's kind of sad a little bit because it's almost like you have to just sort of dress down to be a little bit homogenous um, and professional because you don't want to be judged based on what you're wearing rather than what you're saying or the opinion you're giving or something like that. Yeah, I've seen... um reports that have been written on like how to dress professionally and it seems very focused on what women should be wearing and how it's you know absolutely offensive if they wear open-toed shoes to court or red shoes to court or things like that because it will completely derail the case and (laughs) I don't know that sounds like a nonsense to me but maybe I'm strange well I I don't think that people should be that easily distracted by (laughs) open-toed shoes (laughs) no I didn't think is that a raunchy thing in this day and age to wear open-toed shoes? Is that what it's about? In the courtroom, Tempting the judges or something? Yeah, maybe judges have a thing for feet. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Radio Destendi exclusive. All judges are foot fetishists. <laughs> this is the fact-free zone. <laughs> We've entered the fact-free zone. Yeah, well, one phenomenon I've sort of heard of recently that I find quite alarming is the idea that women who speak up on feminist issues, it's easy to put them down because if they you know, make their voice heard, um, if they complain about something, they're described as shrill. You know, they're kind of put down in a way that uh, men wouldn't be. You know, they're overly sensitive or whatever. Do you, have you ever found this? Yeah, absolutely. I find that sometimes when I talk about feminist issues, if I see something in the media that I think is sexist and I try to speak about it to my male friends, I've. it's interesting that I get told that I'm being you know, overly sensitive or irrational or that this is another one of my feminist tirades or things like that because I think I'm presenting a really logical, well-formed argument which usually would be heard and responded to accordingly but it's dismissed as, you know, not something to be listened to because it's just crazy and I think it's because a lot of guys can take it as a personal attack and they get quite um, defensive and they think that you're saying that, no, you're sexist, but it's just you're talking about an issue in the media. And What's they, an example of that? Um, I think one time I saw a report on Hillary Clinton and she has just recently learned that she's going to have a grandchild and they were talking about how that will be great for her because it'll get her a more motherly kind of image rather than that cold businesswoman kind of appearance and I thought you wouldn't ever hear that about a guy that you know if he's really focused on his career then um 
he won't be described as, you know, cold and calculating and it's good that he's got a fatherly figure kind of image going on. And, yeah, I just thought that that was really, really silly. And when I brought it up to one of my friends, I got dismissed. They were just like, that's just such a non-issue. They probably would talk about men like that and blah. Is the problem with the journalism itself or is the problem, are they actually just reflecting an established societal feeling, which is that people would rather vote for a woman who seems a little more motherly you know i i just sorry i'm i'm curious was your quote unquote feminist tirade against the particular journalist or like against the fact that this exists as an issue i think it was mostly against the fact that it existed and i think that journalism and the media really reflect societal views sometimes and the fact that it was a report that wouldn't even be given a s- second look like it it was something yeah. that people thought was the norm and that was what was annoying me, that people thought that that was okay. That's fair. Like, the fact that it was fair game to publish is the problem. Yeah. Okay. So, what is your favourite case? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I got asked that for, like, a Minter Ellison clerkship oh application God. and I just... I'm so sorry. I, yeah, no, it was, like, a few hours before the deadline and I was just really freaking out and I didn't come up with anything good. Um can I say Donahue and Stevenson just no, because it's the only case? You cannot. Um, oh, actually, no. I read a property law case and it was – a I forget the name of it. It was about a guy called Richard and he g- gave all these gifts to this young woman and she kind of absconded with them and it was – oh, it was actually an equity case. Trusts. Trusts, yeah. And, um, yeah, I wrote my assignment on that and I thought that was quite interesting. He tried to get a house back and all of these gifts back, but they were just like, not oh, so okay. Oh, um, Macintosh and Johnson? Johnson, Yeah, Yeah, his name is Richard Johnson, and I could not stop laughing because I wanted my last sentence to be, Dick could not obtain relief. (laughs) But I thought I'd get my dick. Best. (laughs) Just before you go, Bridget, Mm -hmm. um, if you don't mind me saying, I think you have an excellent radio voice, so... For the benefit of our listeners, would you mind just giving us a, you're listening to Radio Desidendi? Oh, God. (laughs) You're listening to Radio Desidendi. Yes. Rushed it. Thank you so much for coming in to talk to us today. It was my pleasure. And you yourself can go investigate at legal-chic.tumblr.com or just Google it. And chic, the illiterate among you, is (laughs) C-H-I-C. Um... Legal shake you, shake, shake you, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Bridget. No problems. So that wraps up today's episode of Radio Desidendi. We I spoke, miss it. Yeah, most of it. Uh, we spoke with Legal Chic, well, legal-chic.tumblr.com. She prefers to be called Bridget, but, you know, that's fine. We'll just, I'm going to keep calling her by her URL. Um, <laughs> we talked about flopping the breakup. Or flopping law school or just quitting law school. All good options, I feel. And uh, what was the other thing we talked about? Oh, hangovers. (laughs) How could I forget? Uh, So, yeah, that wraps up another episode of Radio Desidendi. I've been Dan. He's been sick. And we'll see you next week. (laughs) Please touch us on Facebook. (laughs) 